and welcome to another episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. This episode, I will be creating and, um, you know, just kind of repeating and saying some incoherent phrases, paragraphs, sentences, sayings, whatever it is you want to call them. It's one of my personal favorites, so, um, you know, hope you enjoy. And to be frank, um, there really doesn't need to be much more of an introduction aside from that. You know, and so with that, I just wanted to start by saying I inadvertently went to seize candy last week. I was in the mall looking for a phone repair shop. And as it turns out, seize candy now charges a dollar, a full dollar for even the simplest of their wee little confection offerings. And um, I bought two chocolate lollipops and two chocolate caramel almond um, things. The total cost was for something. I mean, the candies were tasty and all, but let's be real. Little Snickers bars, 50 cents, um, depending on the size, of course, right? After this dollar per candy revelation, I... I may not find myself wandering dreamily back into a seized candy anytime soon, but the candy is good. She looked at her little girl, who was about to become a teenager, and she tried to think back to when the girl had been younger, but failed to pinpoint the exact moment when she had become a little too big to pick up and carry, and it hit her all at once. She was no longer a little girl, and she stood there speechless with fear, sadness, pride at the same time, while at the same time the lone lamppost of the one street town flickered, not quite dead, but definitely on its way out. Suitcase by his side, he paid no heed to the light, the street, or the town. A little motorcycle was coming down the street, and with her arm outstretched and thumb in the air, she had a plan. He had a plan. She, he. It seemed like it should have been so simple. There was nothing inherently difficult with getting the project done. It was simple and straightforward enough that even a child should have been able to complete it on time. But that was not the case. The deadline had arrived, and the project remained unfinished. The one teammate that she thought she could rely on had not done a single ounce of work. Not even contributed a single productive thought to the project. But to her surprise, that same project team member thought that he should receive full equal credit for the work of the group. She sat there with her mouth wide open, ajarred, shocked at what she was being told, and she could not believe that her teammate wanted full credit. At that moment, he had a thought that he never imagined he'd consider. I could cheat on the test, he thought, and that would solve the problem. 
He tried to move on from the thought, but it was persistent. He did not want to go. And if he was honest with himself, he didn't want the thought to either. I'm heading back to Colorado tomorrow after being down in Santa Barbara over the weekend for the festival there. I'll be making October plans once there, and I'll try to arrange so I'm back here for your birthday if possible. I'll let you know as soon as I know the doctor's appointment, and I'll schedule my flight and my hotel plans. Explain to me again why I shouldn't cheat on this test, he asked. All the others do and nobody ever gets punished for doing so. I should go about being happy, losing the cheaters because I know that I don't? That's what you're telling me? There are different types of secrets. He had held on to plenty of them during his life, but this one was different. He found himself holding on to the worst type. It was the type of secret that could gnaw away at your insides if you didn't tell someone about it. But it could also get you in a lot of trouble if you disclosed it. Disclosed it. Sometimes I struggle with my words. You'd be surprised to learn that English is my first language by how often I mumble my words. She looked at the sand. Picking up a handful, she wondered how many grains were in her hand. Hundreds of thousands? Not enough, she said, under this breath. I need more. She tried to explain that love was not like pie. There wasn't a set number of slices to be given out. There wasn't less to be given to one person if you wanted to give more to another. That after a set amount was given, it would all disappear. She tried to explain this, but it fell on deaf ears. She's asked the question so many times that she barely listened to the answers anymore. The answers were always the same. Well, not exactly the same, but the same in general sense. A more accurate description was the answers never surprised her. So she asked for the 10,000th time, what's your favorite animal? But this time was different. When she heard the young boy's answer, she wondered if she had heard him correctly. Alligator, he said. Alligator? She responds to the young boy. Yes, alligator, he replied confidently. Puzzled, she turns to the young boy and asks, Why did you say elephant? The other 9,999 times I've asked you this question. The young boy looks confused. I have no idea what you're referring to. She couldn't believe the bliss of his youthful gaze. He asked the question even though he didn't really want to hear the answer. It was a no-win situation since he already knew. If he told the truth, he'd get confirmation of his worst fears. If he lied, he'd know that he wasn't who she thought she was, which would be almost as bad. Yet he asked the question anyway and waited for the answer. What were they eating? It didn't taste like anything she had ever eaten before, and although she was famished, she did not dare to ask. 
she knew the answer would be one she didn't want to hear. It was that terrifying feeling you have as you tightly hold the covers over you with the knowledge that there may be the boogeyman under your bed. You want to look, but you don't at the same time. You're frozen with this fear and this inability to act. At that moment, you realize that you're 35 years old and still have the pressing need to keep your sheets covered for fear that the boogeyman would tickle your toes in the middle of the night. Where do they get a random paragraph? The audience wondered as a podcast host continued to read off strange phrases and sentences mixed together. Do they just write a random paragraph or do they get it somewhere? At that moment, the audience probably realized that the host had way too much free time and too much distraction in his life, resulting in a strange, incoherent set of ramblings that could only be described as either extremely relaxing and soothing to some, but unbelievably irritating to many others. A long black shadow slid across the pavement into their feet, and the five neighbors, all within their little cul-de-sac, looked over and glanced. It was a solar eclipse right before their eyes. They cracked open beers for each one of them and reminded each other that life is good. Green vines attached to the trunk of a tree had wound themselves toward the top of the canopy. Ants used the vine as their private highway, avoiding all the creases and crags of the bark to freely move at top speed from top to bottom or bottom to top depending on their current chore. At least this way, it was the way it was supposed to be. Something had damaged the vine overnight. And halfway up the tree, this would cause a huge traffic jam that would resolve, result in 10 days of backlog for the poor ants and their work. As a brief pause, I mean, some of these I really just come up with on the spot, and you can tell that some of them are not even fully fleshed out necessarily, but it's all in the name of good fun. The podcast host sat in his little closet converted into a studio for the purpose of recording content intended to help people relax. But as he sat there in the blistering heat, because the closet doesn't have any form of ventilation, he sat and wondered, is it worth it? To which he immediately replied, of course, it's always worth it for the audience. Dave found joy in the daily routine of life. He awoke at the same time, ate the same breakfast, and drove the same commute every day. He worked at a job that never seemed to change, and he got home at 6 p.m. sharp every night. It was who he had been for the last 10 years, and he had no idea that that was all about to change. This is a very important 
message to remember. Love is not like a pie. And I know that I made reference to the pie and love early in the episode, but we have to just go back and make sure that we have a very clear understanding. You don't need to divide it among all your friends or your loved ones, no matter how much love you give. It doesn't run out. So don't try to hold back giving it as it may one day run out. Give it freely and as much as you want. I am meant to be writing at this moment. What I mean is, I'm meant to be writing something else at this moment. The document I meant to be writing is, of course, open in another program on my laptop and is patiently waiting my attention. Yet here I am recording this episode for your enjoyment and at the same time plonking down senseless sentiments in this paragraph because it's easier to do that than to work on something a bit more meaningful right now. I am grateful for this happy little distraction. Cake or pie? I can tell a lot about you by which one you pick. It may seem silly, but cake people and pie people really are different. I know which one I hope you are, but that's not for me to decide. So which one is it? Is it cake or is it pie? The robot clicked disapprovingly, gurgled briefly inside its cubicle interior, and extruded a pony glass of brownish liquid. Quote, Sir, you will undoubtedly end up in a drunkard's grave, dead of hebiotic cirrhosis. End quote. It informed me virtuously as it returned my ID card. I glared as I pushed the glass across the table. Thank you, Mr. Robot. And I exited the room. Debbie put her hand into the hole, sliding her hand down as far as her arm could reach. She wiggled her fingers, hoping to touch something, but all she felt was air. She shifted the weight of her body to try to reach an inch or two more down the hall. Her fingers still touched nothing but air. He watched as a young man tried to impress everyone in the room with his intelligence. There was no doubt that he was smart. The fact that he was more intelligent than anyone else in the room could have been easily deduced. But nobody was really paying any attention, due to the fact that it was also obvious that the young man only cared about his intelligence. She had come to the conclusion that you could tell a lot about a person by their ears. The way they stuck out and the size of the earlobes could give you wonderful insights into the person. Of course, she couldn't scientifically prove any of this, but that didn't matter to her. Before anything else, she would size up the ears of the person she was talking to. He picked up the burnt end of the branch and made a mark on the stone. Day 52, if the marks on the stone were accurate. He couldn't be sure. Day and night had begun to blend together, creating confusion, but he knew it was a long time. It was much too long. He was an expert, but not in a discipline 
that anyone could fully appreciate. He knew how to hold the cone just right so that the soft-serve ice cream fell into it at the precise angle to form a perfect cone each and every time. It had taken years to perfect, and he could now do it without even putting any thought behind it. Nobody seemed to fully understand the beauty of this accomplishment, except for the new worker who watched in amazement. She wondered if the note had reached him. She scolded herself for not handing it to him in person. She trusted her friend, but so much could happen. She waited impatiently for word. He knew what he was supposed to do. That had been apparent from the beginning. That was what made the choice so difficult. What was he supposed to do, and what could he do, were not the same. This would have been fine if he were willing to face the inevitable consequences, but he simply wasn't. He heard the loud impact before he ever saw the result. It had been so loud that it had actually made him jump back in his seat. As soon as he recovered from the surprise, he saw the crack of the windshield. It seemed to be an analogy of the current condition of his life. There was a time when he would have embraced the change that was coming. In his youth, he sought adventure and the unknown. But that had been years ago. He wished he could go back and learn to find the excitement that came from the change, but it was useless. That curiosity had long left him to where he had come to loathe anything that put him out of his comfort zone. Spending time at national parks can be an exciting adventure, but this wasn't the type of excitement she was hoping for. As she contemplated the situation she found herself in, she knew she'd gotten herself in a little more than she bargained for. It wasn't often that she found herself in a tree staring down at a pack of wolves that were looking to make her their next meal. There once lived an old man and an old woman who were peasants and who had to work to earn their daily bread. The old man used to go fix fences and do other odd jobs for the farmers around. And while he was gone, the old woman, his wife, did the work in the house and worked in their own little plot of land. He was well aware that there were numerous wonders of this world, including the unexplained creations of humankind, that showed the wonder of our ingenuity. There are huge heads on Easter Island. There are the Egyptian pyramids. There is Stonehenge. But he now stood in front of a newly discovered monument that simply didn't make any sense, and he wondered how he was going to explain, going to be able to explain it. Things aren't going well with Mother today. She's just sleeping like a limp noodle and just wants to rest and sleep all the time. I sure hope she finally gets out of bed. I'm only seven years old and can't do everything for her. Don't be scared. The things out there are unknown that are unknown 
aren't scary in themselves. They are just unknown at the moment. Take the time to know them before you list them as being scary. I guess we could discuss the complications of the phrase meant to be and the implications associated with that phrase as well. That is, if we wanted to drown ourselves in a sea of backwardly referential semantics and other mumbo-jumbo, maybe such a discussion would result in the determination that meant to be is exactly as meaningless as a phrase as it seems to be, and that none of us is actually meant to be doing anything at all. But that's my existential underpants, underpinnings, shoning. It's the way the cookie crumbles, and now I want a cookie. The computer simply wouldn't start. She banged on the side and tried again. Nothing. She lifted it up and dropped it on the table. Still nothing. She banged her closed fist against the top. It was at this moment she saw the irony of trying to fix a machine with pure violence. See, there are only three ways to make this work. The first is to let me take care of everything. The second is for you to take care of everything. And the third is to split everything 50-50. I think the last option is the most preferable, but I'm certain it'll also mean the end of our relationship. It was a question of which of the two she preferred. On the one hand, the choice seemed simple. The more expensive one with a brand name would be the choice of most. It was the easy choice. The safe choice. But she wasn't sure she actually preferred it. The amber droplet hung from the branch, reaching fullness and ready to drop. It waited. While many of the other droplets were satisfied to form as big as they could and release, this droplet had other plans. It wanted to be part of history. It wanted to be remembered long after all the other droplets had dissolved into history. So it waited for the perfect specimen to fly by to trap and capture that it hoped it would eventually be discovered hundreds of years in the future. The box sat on the desk next to the computer. It had arrived earlier in the day, and business had interrupted her opening earlier. She did not know who had sent it, and briefly wondered who it might have been. As she began to unwrap it, she had no idea that opening it would completely change her life. The words hadn't flowed from his fingers for the past few weeks. He never imagined he'd find himself with writer's block, but there he sat with a blank screen in front of him. The blank screen taunting him day after day, he started to play with his mind. It had started to play with his mind, excuse me. He didn't understand why he couldn't even type a single word, just one, to begin the process and build from there. 
and yet he already knew that the eight hours he was prepared to sit in front of his computer today would end with the screen remaining black. Blank, not black. He ordered his regular breakfast. Two eggs, sunny side up, hash browns, two strips of turkey bacon. He continued to look at the menu, wondering if this would be the day he added something new. This was also part of the routine. A few seconds of hesitation to see if something else would be added to the order, before just demurring and saying that that would be all. It was the same exact meal he had ordered every day for the past six years. It was very easy to spot her. All you needed to do was look at her socks. They were never a matching pair. One would be green while the other would be blue. One would reach her knee while the other barely touched her ankle. Every other part of her was perfect, but never the socks. They were the micro act of rebellion. Was it enough? That was the question he kept asking himself. Was being just happy enough? Was being content enough? He looked around him and everyone yearning to just be satisfied in their daily life. And he had reached their goal. He knew that he was satisfied and he also knew it wasn't going to be enough. Mary Lou wore the tiara with pride. There was something that made doing there was something that made doing anything she didn't really want to do a bit easier when she wore that tiara. She really didn't care about those staring through the window or watching her as she walked by, because with that tiara she felt invincible. If you can imagine a fury humanoid seven feet tall with the face of an intelligent gorilla and the brain case of a man, you have a rough idea of what they look like. Except for their teeth, the canines would have fitted better in the face of a tiger and showed the corners of their wide, thin-lipped mouths, giving them an expression of ferocity. She was in a hurry. Not the standard hurry when you're in a rush to get someplace, but a frantic hurry. The type of hurry where few seconds could mean life or death. She raced down the road, ignoring speed limits and weaving between cars. She was going to be late for her interview. Turning away from the ledge, he started slowly going down the mountain, deciding that he would, that very night, satisfy his curiosity about this ledge. In the meantime, he would go down into the canyon and get a cool drink, after which he would visit some berry patches just over the ridge and explore among the foothills a bit before his nap time, which also came just after the sun had walked past the middle of the sky. At that period of the day, the sun's warm rays seemed to cast a sleepy spell over the silent mountainside, so all the animals, with one accord, had decided it should be the hour for their midday sleep. What was beyond the bend in the stream 
was completely unknown. Both were curious, but only one was brave enough to want to explore. That was a problem. There was always one that let fear rule his life. I haven't bailed on writing. Look, I'm generating a random paragraph at this very moment in an attempt to get my writing back on track. I'm making an effort. I will start writing consistently again. And writing is just one of those things that really comes and goes. For some, I have noticed. It comes extremely simple, extremely easy. Something that they can do almost in their sleep. And you know what? For others, it just doesn't seem to be that way. And that's totally okay. Some people can write incoherent phrases without thinking much about it. Some people need the help of maybe an incoherent phrase generator. That's even a thing. She counted one, two, three, four, five. She slowly turned around. Why did I count six steps? yesterday. She contemplated this thought and then recognized it truly was not worth her time to ask herself. But she did anyway. Did I take smaller steps yesterday? Have I gotten taller and thus my strides are longer? This internal conversation lasted for two straight hours. She patiently waited for his number to be called. She had no desire to be there, but her mom insisted that she go. She resisted at first, but over time she realized it was simply easier to appease her and go. Mother tended to be that way. She would keep insisting until she wore you down and did what she wanted. So, here she sat, patiently waiting for her number to be called. She reached her goal, exhausted. Even more chilling to her was that the euphoria that she thought she'd feel upon reaching it wasn't quite there yet. She wondered, was it the journey that really was worth it? Was it the journey that I should have enjoyed? I think I just butchered that sentence a few times. Sometimes I do read one sentence before the other. It was difficult for him to admit he was wrong. He had been so certain that he was correct, and the deeply held belief could never be shaken. Yet the proof that he had been incorrect stood right before his eyes. He didn't understand how change worked. When he looked at today compared to yesterday, there was nothing that he could see that was different. Yet when he looked at today compared to last year, he could see how, how nothing was really the same. She never liked cleaning the sink. It was beyond her comprehension how it got so dirty so quickly. It seemed that she was forced to clean it every other day. Even when she was extra careful to keep things clean and orderly, it still ended up looking like a mess in a couple of days. 
What she didn't know was there was a tiny creature living in it that didn't like to keep things neat. One dollar and eighty-seven cents. That was all. And sixty cents of it was in pennies. Pennies saved one and two at a time by bulldozing the grocer and the vegetable man and the butcher until one's cheeks burned with a silent imputation of parsimony that such close dealing implied. It was not his fault. I know you're going to want to, but you can't blame him. He really has no idea how it happened. Hopes and dreams were revived that day. It should have been expected, but it still came as a shock. The warning signs had been ignored in favor of the possibility of dread and disappointment. But alas, it was dreams and opportunity and optimism that prevailed that day. And that was it. Those were the random incoherent phrases for this particular rendition. I honestly have no idea how long I've been recording. Hopefully it was a um, at least somewhat enjoyable experience. I certainly enjoy coming up with these little random incoherent phrases and um, occasionally mixing them up, kind of like the freestyle. So, yeah, you can let me know your thoughts, episode suggestions. If you just want to reach out for any reason, uh, you can do so by emailing hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks as always for listening and take care.